Well, the US dollar juggernaut steamrollers on. We're up about 13% year to date. We've seen Euro dollar briefly touch parity. We've seen gold prices going into $1,700. And equities look like they're putting in a bit of a reprieve, despite US CPI and inflation numbers at a new 40-year high. There's a lot to discuss with Blake and I today as we go into the trade-off. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone. And in a second, Blake Morrow will be joining me. We've got a special guest today, Piers Crosby, General Manager of TradingView. I'm sure a lot of people use that platform to execute their transactions. So really great to have him on board and, and some of his insights. But the first section, I want to bring up, uh, I want to bring Blake into the program. And uh, Blake, we'll be discussing and navigating all the markets going through the setups. And yeah, it's good to see you, my friend. How, uh, how, how's life treating you? It was, it's great to see you. You know, I uh, I actually spent a couple of days away from everything. I went dark on holiday oh. uh, to Southern California. It was it was wonderful. I'm back and I'm back in the saddle. And uh, you know, so I trade really light when I'm when I'm away from the computer. I just I, I tend to take really small positions if I'm going to do anything. I tried uh, dipping my toe against selling the dollar a little bit. It hasn't really worked out, but that's all right. I'm you know I'm not like I said I'm not too aggressive because I was on vacation. But it's good though, isn't it? You just get the just get the mind, just clear it out. You see the world from a from a different perspective, don't you? When you've had a couple of away a couple of days from the screen, you, you you can get the emotional connection back in. I think it's really refreshing for the mindset to be able to have that that refresh, right? 100% agree with you, Chris. I couldn't agree more and I'm I'm but it is nice to be back. Yeah, good stuff. Well, I hope you've had a chance to to look at the markets and, and get in. If, if I was, I'm happy to do quite a lot of the heavy lifting today, mate. But uh, for people at home, uh, before we do uh, bring in Piers, if you, if you want to, if you like the show, give the like button a smash, kick it down, and obviously leave your comments. Be part of the community if you can. We want to hear what you have to say. Um, anyway, let's bring in topical, topical thunder and just dissect some of the, the big formatics that are taking place in the world at the moment. Well, Blake, the first one I want to look at is, is rates pricing because there's a really clear macro formatic that team or, or roadmap that seems to be sort of taking place. Uh, yeah, US CPI numbers have obviously affected that situation now. But if I have a look at uh, interest rate pricing after the CPI numbers, uh, we can talk about peak inflation in a second and whether we've got there. Uh, but really, I mean, if I look at that now, we've got 91 basis points of, of tightening being priced in for the July FOMC meeting. I think that comes out on the 27th. Uh, so the market's saying, you know, after the Bank of Canada opened the door there, took the taboo away, that we get um, the Fed funds rate into the neutral rate in, in the September meeting. Uh, and then they potentially, in the next one after that, which would be in November, take them above well above 3% into about sort of 320-ish. And then we're well into restrictive territory. But if you go into what we're seeing into 2023, we've got uh, one full rate cut being now priced in for that first quarter, and then 88 basis points of cuts being priced in for next year. So the market is telling me that the Fed are front-loading this, and they're going to make a policy mistake, which will make them have to cut. And sometimes between September and November, there's going to be a change and a pivot from the Federal Reserve. Um, that's the way that I'm seeing the market message from, from, the, from the Fed. If we were to get that, you know, what do you think is going to happen for, for risk assets, you know, crypto, for, for equities, growth, you know, all these kind of factors if that market message is, it actually plays out? You know, that's actually a great question. So first of all, I'd like to go back to, you know, when I first started trading back in the, in the mid-90s. 
You know, a lot of people would tell me that the that the stock market is a it's a pricing mechanism mm -hmm. and it's usually three to six months ahead or, or sometimes even below. It depends where we're at in that particular cycle. If the market starts sniffing out that this is how the, this is how it's going to feel and this is what the Fed is going to be doing six months from now, as you pointed out, you know, at the beginning of next year, we're starting to price in cuts. Mm. You might start to see the bottom of the stock market form here in the next couple of months. Not saying that it's happening right at this moment, but it can be happening pretty soon. But I think one of the other stories is uh, that since you're, you're really focused on rates, and once again, I, I had been out of pocket for a few days, but what uh, we noticed also is the yield curve continues to invert. What's that telling you, Chris? Well, I think it's kind of typically exactly what you happen when you get an inflation number like we've just seen and, and front-end yields move up. So we've certainly seen this kind of bare flattening playing through where, where front-end yields, two-year yields move up quite sharply and then the 10-year comes down because of you know, lower future growth expectations. So I think that goes further. I think we go deeper into negative inversion, probably negative 40 basis points between twos and tens. Um, but I think really, I think the Fed are on autopilot for now. The story I'm getting is that, that yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll raise either 75, maybe probably looking more like 100 basis points at the, the next FOMC. That will take them above into neutral. The Fed are on autopilot. It's the time when they, when they become data dependent and tell you that they're data dependent. That's when bad news will be bad for the US dollar and not good for the US dollar because of safety fears. That's going to be the change that we get. So the moment the Fed are on autopilot, they will become off that at some stage when we get into restrictive territory. That's when bad news will be bad for the U.S. dollar and probably good for stocks. You know, it's, it, it's, I'm going to take us right into the inflation, which is going to be the next topic, Chris, which is obviously the hot topic today with the CPI coming out. Because last week we talked about good being good for, you know, good data being strong for uh, the dollar, bad for stocks and vice versa. But what was really interesting today is the inflation print came in hot and I have to ask the question, is this peak inflation? Because one of the things when I was talking to traders from our community is like, hey, that number came in hot. And now just remember, the market's going to start looking at that as being potentially the peak. And what we saw in price action today mm. is we actually saw stocks find a bid. Mm. We saw the dollar find a bit of a top. Now, Granted, we're in Asian trade right now, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the dollar and the dollar is, you know, starting to, you know, firm up a little bit. But watching North American trade, you, if you watch price action carefully, mm. you saw a bit of a reversal. Good. So that suggests to me that, you know, you know, with with commodity prices starting to come down, is this peak inflation? What are your thoughts here? No, I think, yeah. You know, I don't want to be that guy who calls peak inflation. We've tried to do it so many times, and then it's, it's been a horrible, horrible call. But I think the, right. yeah, I think I think we have. I think we're going to see it gravitate lower. But I think it's going to be a plateauing more than a, than an absolute collapse. Um, so I do think that we will do. Just from a headline perspective, you know, gasoline prices and um, yeah have have fallen throughout the last month. So you know, you will see that reflected in in headline CPI for the next one. The CPI fixings market, which a lot of the institutional banks have been banging on about recently, which is a group of traders who are very close to inflation who trade. Uh, inflation, um, they've got this one really right. I mean, they, they nailed this this inflation number, and that the, inf the, the fixings market is saying uh, that future inflation is is likely to just gravitate slowly lower, but it's not going to collapse. So I think we have seen peak inflation if you believe the fixing market. So that sounds to me that you're you you would believe more in disinflationary pressures. 
Uh, this is more temporary. It's it, it, it's it's a slow grind lower versus like going into a deflationary environment. Because when oh, you see yeah. some of these, yeah, I mean, you see some of these uh, these commodity prices. They come off pretty hard. Yeah. In 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 a lot of them, and I'm not saying that that that's going to continue. Yeah. But a lot of people are like, oh, we're going into deflation right after this big. Well, spike you've got to look inflation. at things. You've still got to look at things like airline prices. You're still going to look at medical costs. You know, certainly that goes sure. into PC. You've got to look at rents. You know, rents are still making up, a, you know, up at 70 basis points or so. It's not just the input costs. And it's, you know, you're not going to see, you probably see that in producer prices that will fall. But, you know, things like rents and travel and everything are still going to be very expensive as well. So, yeah, like core inflation is, is going to gravitate lower. I think if you take all of this, the the feeling is is that we are we are going to see inflation coming a little bit lower, but it's not going to collapse anytime soon. So I think I think we see high inflation for the remainder of the year, um, but at the same time, yeah, it doesn't mean that the Fed yeah once they see a couple of declines in inflation, you know, and we see yeah, proper economic damage, that that could be the cue for them to change in that September October window. And just talking about the outlook, I think one one of the things that we are going to be looking at you know later on this week we've got J P Morgan reporting. Let's have a look at this, the equity story because. You know, as equities have been falling, you have seen um, interest rate cuts for next year being priced in. Uh, you've seen the dollar rally. As a, you know, the US dollar has been your go-to hedge against equity drawdown. That's part of the reason for me why the dollar has been rallying. So the equity market is really important. You know, um, we are, we've got the earnings season. Every every man, woman, and dog is expecting earnings per share to be cut. Consensus earnings to come down sharply, which potentially could call a bottom in the equity market. You know, this idea that at some stage in that sort of September to November Fed window that they're going to flip and they're going to pivot to, to ease off on, on aggressive rate hikes, so they're going to become more data dependent. But the other variable is is this this earnings season. Yeah, it's going to be plagued by US dollar strength, by by margin um, contraction. All these factors is expected to see consensus earnings per share come right down. That should lift the multiple of the market, and that should therefore coincide with a trading low uh, in the market going in the equity market, the S and P, the Nasdaq, and things like that as well. So JP Morgan kicked that off. As a trader, um, and I know you're like a price action guy, a setup guy, but will you be watching and listening out from what CEOs and CFOs have to say at this earnings season? I will be because this is one of those earnings seasons that, you know, coming into it, all the people that I talk with, everybody says the same thing. You know, this is the, it's the, it's the final shoe to drop. Yeah. Got to watch earnings. You got to watch for, you know, uh, uh, you know, downgrades. You've got to watch for, uh, you know, misses and, 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 and estimates to come down. And that's when the market's really going to take notice of, of a possible recession coming. So yeah, yeah, I am going to be paying very close attention to earnings. You know, it's a lot of earnings seasons. We come into them and, and people go, yeah, you know, I'm going to be watching this earnings season. But this specifically with the, with the, with the blunt instrument that the Fed is doing specifically and watching how the, the markets have responded, whether you're talking about housing markets, rates market, the stock market, you bet earnings are going to be you know, right on, right, right there, and they should be watched so by everybody. Here's, so here's a question, right? The market, the market's obviously fallen, you know, twenty percent or so. Yeah, the average stock in the S and P has dropped about well thirty percent from its fifty-two week high. Given that magnitude of the drop, if a company misses, um, does it have a more pronounced uh, move to the downside? Um, given the market's you know, limited tolerance for, for missing in this market? Or do you think you know, the market is going to search out good news from stocks and then reward them with a much higher pronounced move to the upside? I think the market will reward companies that actually make money. <laughs> it's going to be a few Bottom line. 
Cash we're flow. in that we're we are in that market. If you all haven't ever been in a bear market, when you're in a bear market, the the stocks that do well or the ones that are going to do better relative to other stocks are the ones that make the most money. Yeah. Bottom right. line. So that's what that's what you got to be watching now. I reckon so. I could quick one before we go to the next one. Any stock that has a has a significant rally on that day of earnings, you know, I'll be buying that on the close for a, for a gap open the next day. Obviously, macro factors aside, but I think you know, companies that are up double digit, we'll see follow through. I think there's a, they're really you know a nice little technique on the back of that one as well, which we can explore another time. Yeah, and then that, then you sell into that gap the next day. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Right, Chris? <laughs> Take it home. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's start, let's turn it over to the euro dollar because this is going to be a hot topic for a lot of people. We've seen uh, the euro dollar trade down to parity a couple of times over the last couple of days. Uh, yeah. I think it was Monday and we saw it yesterday or today uh, post CPI data. But it's really interesting. We had this very hot number. And as I pointed out earlier, you know, the dollar kind of gave back some of its gains. We saw the stock market ease, ease off the lows and start to rally. You know, are we looking at parity being it or do we go lower in the euro because yeah we we both i'm sure are going to admit that the ecb has a tough road ahead i mean <laughs> right. with with with, yeah. with germany and energy and the rest of the eurozone what's happening in, in italian you know spreads uh, i mean what what do you think is going to happen with the euro here and how do we play it chris what do you oh, think mate it's, it's it's so hard i mean yeah, look, I think that there's nothing to like about Europe at the moment. Um, it, but I think, yeah, dollar the fact that we 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 didn't see any kind of stop loss run through through the parity through the figure, we we got two yeah. points, and then you know then it, and it was so much support. A lot of this is down to the fact that we have seen such aggressive rate cuts being priced in for next year in the euro dollar curve, and I think that's why risk generally had a big rally as soon as we looked at the risk market, at the rates market, bang up she went. Real rates came down, the dollar sold off, and uh, you know euro dollars pushed higher. The one thing that that I think everyone has to have on their radar is what's happening with Nord Stream One. So there's maintenance at the moment, um, and that comes that that finishes on the 21st of July. So from around that time, we're going to get headlines. The Canadians have helped out the situation a little bit. They've brought back. They've said that they're going to uh, put a turbine in place to to allow the free flowing of gas. There's been a big drop off in gas that that's that's gone that's gone through the the Nord Stream One pipeline um, to Germany, to Italy, to to Southern Europe. And um, part of that is down to the fact that the Canadians, um, this turbine wasn't working. They've, so the Canadians have said they would they would push it back in, and, and the Russians have said, well, if the Canadians are going to give us this this this, this part, then yeah, we, we'll we'll turn the gas back on. But there's no guarantees that's going to happen. If, if the if the if the Russians don't turn the gas back on. Um, on that date, on the 21st, then you are going to see the euro under pressure. We're going to go back below parity. You know, you're going to see energy prices, certainly European natural gas prices, you know, breaking the 200 level, um, you know, spiking up, and that's going to push pressure down. But obviously, if we were to see some flow coming back in, then the euro is going to see some short covering from relief. I think that's a really big issue that everyone should have on their radar uh, going forward. But if that, yeah, I think the world the world's certainly short this this pair at the moment. They're long dollars, rightly so. Um, but I'll be looking at that that Nord Stream One situation. Got a quick second. Well, uh, well I, was, I was just going to say, you know, for the for the trade off community, let's all give Chris a big thumbs up if you're watching us here on YouTube. If you're watching this channel, just for giving you that heads up, I think that's a big one, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, I think it's a difficult <laughs> one. We, I mean, it's, it's it's a complicated one. I think the market's going to see it as quite binary. So put that data on your on your radar. Uh, get it on Twitter and 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 watch that through. So. 
yeah, big one there that's going to drive the euro. I, I actually think the euro dollar goes higher from from here on the back of that, but we'll we'll, we'll obviously we'll watch that situation going forward. Let's uh, let's bring in our special guest today. Uh, we got Piers Crosby. Piers is the general manager of Trading View. Piers, welcome to the show. Look, yeah, we've been at Pepperstone. We've uh, had a partnership. We've had the integration going since January. It's gone really well. You know, we've seen huge client take up. They love your community. They love the charting features. Yeah, for us, it's been a great success going forward. So I thought it was a great opportunity to bring you into the show, to bring you to talk about TradingView and, and you know how, how it's how you've got to this point and the evolution and, and where where the future lies for you, uh, given you know you're one of the premium trading platforms as well. So welcome to the show. Tell us about your journey um, in TradingView to get to where you are at the moment. Sure, sure. Well, again, thanks for having me, Chris, and, and great to see you, Blake, as well. It's, uh, I mean, we're a big fan of the show, and obviously we watch on TradingView all the time. Um, so uh, in terms of TradingView's history and, and trajectory, um, you know, we've been doing uh, this business for almost 12 years now. Uh, the company was founded initially uh, over in Europe, and, and we moved the headquarters to New York. We actually recently opened up the the new uh, global headquarters in London. So we're now actually based in the Shard, um, which is on the South Bank and beautiful, beautiful space. But, um, mm. you know, it's been a long journey. I mean, uh, TradingView is definitely not an overnight success story, right? It's it's all about consistency. It's all about actually slow incremental improvements over the last 12 plus years. And uh, I mean, now we have close to 30 million people all over the world using the platform every month, which is obviously a, a huge milestone for us. But, you know, even so, we're still just getting started. We always say that uh, as a company is, is very much kind of a philosophy. I mean, 30 million people seems like a lot. But if you think about it, I mean, 30 million people just in my home state of California. So who's to say that not everybody in California should have some kind of uh, uh, use of TradingView in some way, shape, or form. So yeah. um, we're really excited to join with you guys. I mean, it's um, obviously Pepperstone has been a great partner for us. And um, yeah, there's a lot of more stuff uh, coming in the future that I think a lot of traders will be excited about. Well, we could talk about the future, but I mean, for me, it's a great charting package. Obviously, you've got different um, membership levels, and that gives you different access and, and various factors. I'm guessing you started off as a charting package um, and you've built a community around that. So you've got obviously two really close uh, prongs. Um, what, 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 yeah, what's, what's more closer to your heart, the community or the charting situation and which do you think is evolving uh, the most quickly, the most rapidly? Yeah, great, great subject. I mean, we, we're actually uh, huge fans of both products moving kind of in parallel, but completely different kind of product cycles for sure. Um, I mean, the the founders of TradingView come from a very charting heavy background. So uh, core emphasis on on charts, that's kind of where we spent most of our time. Um, now, I actually come from a company called StockTwits, uh, which is a, a huge uh, social network, which actually uh, you know, previously, my my role there was to kind of uh, head up strategy and kind of revenue for the company. So um, I'm a big fan of social. I mean, broadly speaking, the internet is, you know, the place where I gather most of my investment ideas. Um, and so broadly speaking, I think that there's a big emphasis on that going forward. Mm. You know, the charting is really kind of that uncut gem. It's like this beautiful interface that continues to work really well. But Social is definitely going to be a huge focus for us um, in the near future. And we have some big upgrades um, coming in terms of not just design, but how users actually interact on TradingView. That's right. Um, I was going to say, well, in terms of the idea generation, um, 
you've got scans at the moment. I, I really like the, yeah, the the stock scanning. I think it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. You've improved that. You've got FX scanning. Um, you've obviously got people you can follow as well. But for people out there looking for ideas and yeah, trying to generate some some profits in this market, how, how do you, in, you intend to improve TradingView to, to, to max out the idea generation there? Yeah, I mean, great question for sure. I mean, obviously our stock screeners um, and the FX screener are, are where a lot of people spend their time for idea generation. You know, tons of ways you can kind of set uh, presets that you always follow, you know, rule and thumb, right? Uh, you know, if Blake only follows momentum trades or or Chris is looking at certain levels of, for mean reversions or trying to buy, buy dips, um, it's definitely a, a great tool for that, a quick way to get a lot of information. Um, in terms of, you know, how we can surface more ideas further, um, that actually does kind of uh, hark back to the previous chat, which was around, around social. Um, what's crazy is that we have over 100,000 people who've produced um, scripts and all sorts of different um, uh, strategies on TradingView. Uh, interestingly enough, I mean, a lot of these, you wouldn't even know to where to look for um, because you may not follow this person. You may not know who they are, um, but turns out the community has already identified them. And so what we really need to do is actually not bring in more ideas, but actually just surface really, really interesting ideas for the community. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's been a big focus for us um, just on the near horizon is how do we make these ideas more prevalent and more kind of accessible for users who are just getting started, right? Because the big issue obviously is how do you find these um, ideas? You scrolling, you know, the Apple ticker page for, for 20 minutes, or mm -hmm. are we just servicing you kind of some uh, highlights, if you will, you can kind of run through and, you know, pick the best ones you want and throw away everything else. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I've got, go on, go Blake, you, you, you far ahead, mate. Yeah, I want to, well, first of all, uh, Pierce, I want to say I am a huge fan. You know, at Forex Analytics, uh, you're the pl trading platform. When I first reached out to your founder, one of your founders, and and had a, a great discussion, um, I said, hey, we're going to, you know, use you all the time. And we have been for the last six, almost seven years. But I also wanted to say I was one of the first contributors for StockTwits probably about 12 years ago. So it's great that you have that background as well. Um, and, and I guess the question that I wanted to ask you is, well, let me point out that I love TradingView and I love the ease of use of the platform and the charting. I've used so many trading platforms over my 25 some odd years of trading. I've always just gravitated back to TradingView. Um, but I, and so that's why it, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me how you guys got to as big as you are, as quick as you have, well, you know, over the last, you know, 12 years. But I, I want to ask, what is the next big development for you guys if you can kind of clue us in how are you going to how are you going to stretch the next leg of growth when you guys it seems like you know you have it all right now what more are you going to do from here uh well i think the i mean obviously appreciate the the commentary around around kind of the longevity of you know how long you guys have been contributing um it it's it's definitely true that a lot of folks found us early on and it's just so sticky from a platform standpoint that you can't turn away, right? I mean, at some point yeah. in time, it's just whatever you're used to, you know, you get comfortable and it's very hard to kind of switch gears. Um, in terms of kind of looking to the horizon, um, there's a lot of big things coming. I would say what's really interesting overall from, from you know, my perspective is that these guys have already really built a, a strong uh, kind of underlying business. There's really, really strong fundamentals if you think about it that way. Um, and and so really the, the kind of upside, if you will, is maximizing that from a global scale. And, and really figuring out, um, you know, what is marketable for various markets. Now, we know, say, in Australia, as an example, totally different market dynamics than here in the U.S. 
Um, likewise, with something like South Africa, you know, Singapore, Hong Kong, et cetera, uh, the markets are all very different and very dynamic as they relate, you know, specifically to the local populations. And so kind of what we thought about a lot is customizations on a local geography scale. So the ideal that, you know, if I'm a, um, if I live in Canada, you know, the first time I visit TradingView, I need to see the oil markets. I also want to see the TSX, right? Um, and so a lot of these customizations don't really seem to be, you know, big features, but as you said, Blake, I mean, the easier we can make it for people to kind of make this an accessible platform, um, the better, right? So we're trying to get a lot of people um, you know, that quick win so they really understand how the product works. And then they'll stick around for longer. They'll gather more information more quickly. Um, and, and that's kind of the idea. So that whole that whole life cycle of, you know, coming to the trading view and actually going away with a really good trading idea, um, the closer we can get to kind of uh, offering that to as many people as possible, um, that's that's kind of the the near term goal. So a lot of localization going into place, um, and that's kind of where we really have focused a lot of efforts recently. Well, I'll tell you, I love the the new volume profile indicators that you, you've you've in. I think they're 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 very powerful for the intraday trader. Um, you know, scanners we've talked about. Um, you know, the 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 ability to now backtest in a more powerful fashion. I think it could, has has real legs. I'd love to see automation. You know, I'd love to see as well. I'd love to see a, a broker integration on mobile at some stage, Pierce. But that's a conversation for another time. Anyway, I think we're gonna have to leave it there now. We're gonna have to call it a day. Well, thank you very much, Pierce, for your time. If you haven't had a chance to look at uh, Trading View with Pepperstone, do so. It's a fantastic integration, uh, and we love partnering up with uh, with the guys at Trading View there. So, Pierce, thanks again for for your time. We're gonna go into the final section of the show of the day and we're, we're going to go into play of the day. Well, the first thing I've got, uh, Blake, it's not really particularly an explicit play. I want the market to come to me. Bitcoin. What you can see um, between May and June is we saw a consolidation after a big fall. Um, you can see around those two red lines, which is a previous low. You can see that the Bollinger Bands uh, during that that sort of May to June window saw big expansion, and then they contracted. We saw that range squeeze coming through, and we saw 32 days. I didn't actually draw it on there, but you saw 32 days of, of market trading in a tight range before we saw a, a powerful breakout to the downside. And you saw that three-day exponential moving average, which is the blue moving average, you know, pulling and accelerating away from the eight-day exponential moving average with the rate of change accelerating downside. What we're actually seeing exactly now is, is 31 days uh, of consolidation in a tight range where the rate of change is moving. We've got the bat, we've got the bands contracting. Uh, I, I think we're going to see a breakout. I don't know which way it's going to come. It could go up, it could go down. But I think when it does happen, it won't be a one-day affair. Let that dictate your position or my position. It's going to dictate my direction. I think we're going to see something similar. It's going to be up, it's going to be down, but it's going to be powerful. And that's where I'm going to be looking for a momentum move. So I'm letting the market come to me. So that's one I'm watching there, Blake. Awesome, Chris. I, I I love it. I I love the fact that it's not well. If I was bullish, I wouldn't love the fact that it's just not bouncing. So uh, let's. Uh, I want to I want to turn it over to the dollar cad, and that's going to be my play of the day. Now, be, before I go into this, Chris, I need to say uh, kudos for you calling a great move and crude down to ninety four last week. We did it, and we've bounced pretty. Uh, we, we we stabilized just above it. So great call. But that's going to feed into my dollar Canadian potential short because I'm looking at it post BOC. We had the Bank of Canada that, that raised rates a full basis point, or a, uh, 100 basis points, a full percentage point, excuse me. And uh, by them raising, 
I think that that sets the stage. If actually crude stabilizes here above the 200-day moving average, maybe you know bounces around between 100, uh, 105, and the the, the mid 90s. Uh, I think the dollar Canadian could potentially break down. What I'm looking for, Chris, is I'm looking for a daily close below 129.30. Mm. That's a 618 retracement. It's a, mm. just an easy FIB retracement, but you can see how we respected it last week. We hit it today as a low in North America. So if we start trading below it, I'm looking for a, a short, probably down maybe as low as the 200-day moving average, but at least the 50-day moving average. Yes. That's my play of the day. Yeah, I like it. I mean, the the, CAD, the the Bank of Canada have removed that taboo now. The first central bank in G10 raising 100 basis points. So, yeah, I think the CAD's got a lot going for it at the moment. So it's an interesting one. I think they uh, they, they take rates up you know, another 50 basis points at, at least at the next meeting there as well. Anyway, it's been a, it's been an interesting show. The markets are never dull, as we always say. There's always opportunity, especially in this high vol environment. The markets are evolving. They're changing. And uh, we're glad that you came along for the ride with us today. So uh, for, with Piers and Blake, thanks to everyone who watched. If you want to leave a comment, leave a comment. Smash the like button if you can. And we'll see you next week for more.